Welcome to Mint, a unique look into how the creators of today are building the communities of tomorrow by harnessing the power of Web3. I'm your host, Adam Levy, and let's kick off this episode by giving some love to our three NFT sponsors. They are Coinvise, Poop, and Social Stack. First off, on Coinvise, you can create a personal or community-owned social token on Ethereum. Coinvise also helps you create incentives through token rewards and bounties, NFT business models, and bot integrations for Discord. Discover more by visiting coinvise.co today. Next up, we have Poop, or short for Proof of Attendance Protocol, who enables a novel way of creating one's life diary. Leveraging NFT technology, Poop facilitates an easy way to mint non-fungible tokens related to meaningful events. It's frequently used in crypto-native communities, and now it's starting to create NFT collectors in the mainstream too. Collect or launch your own POAP today by visiting poap.xyz. Next up, we have Social Stack, a platform for communities, brands, and creators to build mission-driven social token economies, offering an easy-to-use non-custodial wallet with a suite of open-source community engagement tools. Social Stack makes it simple to bring your community into Web3 and be a part of creating an open-source, gratitude-driven future for social tokens. Create a free social token wallet, discover mission-driven social token communities, or apply to launch your own token on Social Stack by visiting socialstack.co today. This episode welcomes some of the founding leading contributors of AgoraDAO, Rekka and Raz. In this episode, we talk about the current state of DAO tooling. They walk me through their product suite and the different tools that they're building for decentralized communities, the numerical spectrum of where we are on the DAO adoption curve, the top tool stack for DAOs currently, and so much more. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Rekha and Raz, welcome to Mint. Thank you so much for being on. How are we feeling? Good. We're feeling really good. How are you? I'm feeling good. Raz is like smiling in the corner. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> peace, peace, man. All right, guys, let's just jump right into it. Um, the first question I always ask is, tell me a little bit about yourself, okay? But more specifically, what were you guys doing before crypto and where are you now? I love that question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start then. Uh, I'm Rekha and I'm originally a veterinarian and now I build DAO tooling. Really funny story. I'm not going to go in full detail. Um but like along the line, I had my own sustainable agriculture startup. So I have a little bit of a startup experience in Web2. Uh, and I ventured into like digital marketing and social media for a little bit. So that's kind of how I I got into this, like being the people side of co-foundership here at Agora. And I got into crypto in a random uh, volunteering trip when I was in Sweden for a little bit. And the host I was staying with knew all about crypto back then in 2016. I was like, whoa, this is cool. So I got familiar with Ethereum then. And then I was following along with the development of things and how like the whole market and everything changed and got heavier into Web3 last December. And we started working together that this January. And then we co-founded Agora Space and here we are. <laughs> yeah, and then that was after Reiko got into Forbes for an interview oh, right. yeah. but because we knew each other from high school but uh, that she created this uh, environmentally sustainable startup and then uh, okay cool and Raz what were you doing before crypto 
Yeah, so <laughs> I got into programming when I was just six years old because of my father was co-founder of the first Hungarian internet provider company, or one okay. of the first, actually, in, in the early 90s. And because of this, I basically grew up on the internet and uh, played a lot of uh, massive multiplayer games. Uh, that's how I learned first about trading and, and how to operate like a bigger group of people over the internet. And uh, my interest in, in virtual economies was uh, very massive and so I discovered Bitcoin in 2011 and uh, then got into the space with all my savings in 2013 and uh, I started a small software firm which then quickly grew out into a 20 plus people operation but I also run the family office where we invest in early stage companies in the space. Oh wow so actively building actively investing Rekha you were a vet before like what is going on here? <laughs> A lot of things. <laughs> what a what a cool team. What a cool dynamic. And I also know you guys have a bigger team behind you as well that you guys are kind of co-building Agora. What's the story, I guess, with forming that? Because I remember when you guys launched, you already had a product, right? You already had a team. You already had these things. Yeah. And like, as you went to market, typically it's just like two co-founders, three co-founders kind of like pushing their vision into life. But you guys had a foundation. How did that come about? Yeah, we have a very tech-heavy background. Uh, in the team as well. Uh, most of us are developers and uh, we really love experiments. And uh, for why the main purpose of the software firm was to build experiments and uh, exciting new tools for ourselves and for our portfolio companies and to support our investments. Like uh, when yield farming became a thing, we built our first uh, cross-chain cross -chain yield farming analytic tool. And when the sandwich attacks became a thing, we built our own solution for that. Uh, like a map resistant trading contract. Uh, so we built a lot of different things, even did a, some uh, ecosystem development for, for some chains. Uh, but for to get more deal flow, I participated in different venture DAOs and investor syndicates. And uh, I started growing, growing concerns about the tools they used because uh, these uh, communities had uh, a lot of high net worth individuals in small groups discussing all sorts of sens sensual, uh, um, sensitive. sensitive information. <laughs> yeah. And uh, honestly, you never know what happens in the background. <laughs> it's private. It's private. Okay, yeah. continue. <laughs> and especially the cool, uh, uh, the tool, tool called Colablend. And I basically just as the team as usual to create something like Colablend, but actually make it open source for our own use so we can adopt it and, and recommend it for our. Uh, communities and uh, that was in last December we discussed it with a couple of DAOs and they were very very interested uh, so we built it in January uh, but then we quickly realized that token gated access and later NFT gated access and, and just access control in general uh, will have a huge impact for not just token gated access for discord and telegram but in many different places and it's going to make uh, going to create a lot of different new markets uh, for monetization, for artists, and, and all sorts of different things. Yeah. And so we started doing more experiments regarding this and uh, around this topic. And uh, we, also want, we also wanted to bring a lot of different mechanisms around DAOs into social media where the pe people actually are. Uh, because I'm a huge DAO fan. DAO is what initially attracted me to Ethereum and uh, how people coordinate together and... Uh, uh, I invested in a lot of different DAO frameworks and I, I'm, I'm still actively exploring them and trying them out and 
always uh, trying being on the uh, edge of these uh, DAO technologies yeah. and DAO tools. Uh, but what I was really missing is, is massive user bases because what I saw that only these nerds used DAO frameworks for uh, for the last couple of years, and uh, we really want to onboard more people to DAOs, even without uh, letting them know that they are in part of a DAO. So. Yeah, which is a whole another conversation that I actually I, I want to have with you. But before we get into that, investing through a family office, okay? What, what's the what's the fund called? Or the group uh, called that you invest through? Supernova, the firm itself is is just called Cryptocurrency. So okay, <laughs> nothing solid. Fancy, but... And and it's a blockchain, a crypto only fund. Yeah. Okay. And you said how long were you in, have you, how long have you been investing through that vehicle? Through this vehicle, only like two years. So it's it's okay. fairly new. But I've I've been invested in in uh, many different things since thirteen. So got it. Got it. Super cool. Okay. Another question I want to ask you guys is it takes a certain individual to join a DAO and to kind of fall in love with DAOs. Rekha, you were a vet, okay? You were working with animals. And Raz, I mean, you've been programming for, for what feels like ages, but still, was, what is it about the DAO that kind of aligns with you guys organically? Like, what is it about that framework, that coordination framework that gets you guys going so much so that now you're building for it, right? It's always interesting to kind of hear like how people are wired, right? So I'm, I'm curious to hear from your point of view. I think what re really, really struck me when I first heard about what a DAO is, is the autonom uh, aspect of it. So I really love how it gives the freedom for the communities to not be like that kind of like bound to an organizational structure, but they can like vote and discuss on things. I'm a big fan of like starting organizations. I did a little bit of that in during university and that like how I experienced it was like so closed off, like you had this basic structure to follow and I hate it. And I've never been a corporate job, but I know some, you know, I have friends who have been and a lot of other people and I just like, I could never. And I really like how DAOs um, allow you to basically form companies within just like almost like friend groups kind of and have this online vision and just work for it from different parts of the world at the time that suits you best. And you have this full freedom of operating in a way that suits that group the best. That kind of like struck me first. And then of course I like, I realized all the other potential that it holds, but first like this whole freedom that it allows people to have is what was crazy new to me. And I was like, okay, this, we have to get on this. And then dug myself deeper in that rabbit hole and <laughs> got into all yeah. the stuff. Makes sense. And I, honestly, I hate paperwork. <laughs> so that's probably the most important point. But other than that, I always seek I seek out for more freedom. And uh, DAOs make it possible to automate much in a much deeper sense uh, every aspect of uh, of a corporation or a foundation or, or any organization over yeah. the internet. Yeah. So that really attracts me and, and in a line of my vision about the future of the internet. Got it. Okay, let's pivot to Agora. Okay, what are you guys building exactly at Agora? On, on the site, it talks a lot about tooling. Okay, but that's also a very broad word. What does tooling kind of mean for you guys? And what are some of those initial products that you guys have laid out? So at Agora, we're basically like this studio of building all of these tools. And what we try to do is build this 
set of composable tools that are very collaborative and give back the ownership and sovereignty to the founders and the groups themselves. So that kind of is aligned with our, like what got into us at the DAOs versus like have this complete sense of sovereignty and freedom for the groups and the founders to do what they do best and do it in a way that suits them. And so we are doing very simple tools that are lacking in the space. Because if you go on Twitter or anywhere, you see all the problems that DAOs have on like the organizational side and the governance and rewarding mechanisms, communications and time zones even. So there's a lot of things that are needed to be solved. And so we started with gated access. That's kind of like our first cornerstone. That's like our first step. And then we have a few other tools planned for onboarding, education and also transforming Web2 communities into Web3 to like help them through the gate and start utilizing Web3 opportunities. So that's where we're going. Um, I think a good way to summarize what we are doing is that uh, we are building like an accessibility layer to Ethereum DAOs and, and everything around DAOs without sacrificing decentralization or privacy. That's very important. So we, we build very user-friendly and tools with a user-centered design, but still our, our focus is on, on keeping the whole philosophy behind Ethereum. Yeah, makes makes sense. So what would you say is the current state of DAO tooling? Like where, where are we right now? Because we're seeing thousands of new communities pop up, living on Discord, living on Telegram, WhatsApp, iMessage, whatever plat- platform, right? And then opening up multi-sigs and then opening up snapshots or tallies or any governance form, discourse, whatever it may be. And like everybody's at like their foundational layer and they need more tools of automation and, and, and tools to kind of get them going. So where are we in the world of DAO tooling right now? I think since snapshot, we have experienced a huge boom on the uh, off-chain part. So there are a lot of new tools now for DAOs, uh, but with off-chain computation basically. And what we aim to achieve is, and, and that was part of our a lot of experiments, is to make a bridge between uh, the blockchain and the social media accounts or any platforms or games uh, with the circular, circular information flow. So not just uh, off-chain tools based on activity on blockchain, but also on-chain settlement based on activity in, in social media, in games or anywhere else, basically. Yeah, so we want sense. to create these tools which are really off-chain but eventually work the same as as on-chain tools and, and on-chain frameworks. But like yeah. one, one to ten on a scale of like the state of, the, of DAO tooling because I think that was like kind of the point of the question now. Right, right. But, but that I also think, adds to it. Sure, yeah. Go ahead. I think like on a scale of one to ten, I think we're at like a three. Of like it works. It's okay. We can, okay. We can make it work. But... Uh, we like talk with a lot of founders and community like heads in this space and also like us forming a DAO ourselves now. It's a lot of struggle still and we have a lot to improve on, but yeah. we're here to do what, that. What are, the, what are the biggest pain points right now that you're seeing? Um, and it could either be from like the end user's point of view of joining an organization or from an organization's point of view of setting up that organization, right? I think from both point of views, like being like starting at a DAO. So let's say you join a DAO that's already like 300 people and you're such at the brim, like how do you get closer in towards the inner circle and 
find ways to contribute because you really like the vision like they made a good point of like mentioning or like getting their vision through to you and you love it and you're aligned with it but like how do you find ways to actually put value there and contribute to them and start working together that I think like for me as well like I join a bunch of DAOs and like discords on a fairly regular basis and it's such if you really really want it you can find ways and like find the right people to message to like get a job or like yeah. something to do them for them help them it's very hard for users i think and from like a manager's point of view or like the like the core community's point of view i think the same thing of they see a lot of people coming filtering in and how do they make sure that you know the right people get a right access to things and they can safely like have them come closer so it's the same issue from two sides i think that's mm-hmm. something on a social perspective and with tooling as well that we should work on a little better yeah i think the biggest struggle comes from that we are trying to innovate on two fronts simultaneously one of them is the technological front so obviously we have now a a distributed ledger and it makes everything different but on the other hand people also try to innovate uh, with the social part they try to be better philosophically and uh, that's very very difficult to do so yeah. Yeah. i would advise and, and we always try to innovate just on one side and uh, copy the other from existing uh, mechanisms solid yeah Rekha, i like your analogy of saying that we're at three from one to ten right ten being like the whole world is tokenized and dowified three is like we only have like a few thousand communities kind of like adopting this model what does five look like from your point of view i think when it takes founders way less time to spin up a community and kicking it off and for users to browse and find the communities that are best aligned with their personality their mission or their skill set as well because i think users can participate in a lot of DAOs at the same time so now you like can participate like full-time or like part-time in one or two meaningfully and then have like five others that you like visit on a weekly basis and have a lot of them that you don't actually do anything you just part of the discord and i think we could do a lot more and do a lot of work in a lot of them or you know way more and but i think to be a five for that process to be way more open and accessible and easy to understand step by step is something that we have to work on and it's also like a language barrier as well because everything is in English and I understand that like the younger generations are you know fluent without even putting too much effort in it or they're like pretty good at English but um yeah I don't know like making it more accessible for it's very a first word thing to be you you know you'd think is there a bot that translates discord messages to any language I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> all right, guys. New opportunity here. New if tool. there isn't, all right, hit Rekka, Razer, myself up. If you're building this, <laughs> we we want to hear more. Okay, so that's a five. What does an eight look like? Hmm. Raz, what do you think an eight looks like in terms of adoption? Ooh. Probably hundreds of millions of people at least. And uh, for that to achieve... Uh, Discord is probably not enough, so we have our own platforms at that point. Mm-hmm. I think and Discord those... is probably not enough for a five. 
Okay, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Okay, uh, next question. Okay, uh, when you're starting a DAO, you guys obviously have a lot of purview into the tools and development that kind of take place to forming a DAO from the ground up. Okay, what does the tool stack look like right now? What does every new decentralized community need to kind of get started? What does that look like? List it out for me. A multi-sig. Okay. Um, you could use a few of them, but I th I see a lot of communities using Krausisig. Uh, you need some sort of voting mechanism for governance, and they usually use snapshot. And uh, yeah, for but for treasury, it's it's better to use like uh, uh, on-chain mechanism instead. But yeah, that's that's difficult for now. Okay. But, yeah. So so multi-sig, uh, some governance. Uh, what about for like automation, right? In in reputation, for example, what does that look like? I think we're just exploring that. I think that's not in the basic toolkit. I think communities that are a little bit more mature and have a little bit of experience in running the DAO, they're exploring the reputation system. Uh, I think it's still very new. I see a few projects that are utilizing that like Colony or you could do mm -hmm. it to some extent and coordinate, for example. And I think that's something that we should definitely work towards to have this reputation system because that gives like accountability to people long-term to actually perform, not just come in say they will do something and they don't provide yeah. or they don't come through. Yeah. So that's definitely necessary. So yeah, I see an emerging number of DAOs starting to use that, which is very promising. And yeah, source cred is promising as well. Yeah. Source cred? Okay. Okay. Uh, um, one thing, go ahead, go ahead. I just make a DAO had a long experiment with it already a year at least, and uh, they are quite satisfied. So worth okay. to mention. Okay. You know, one thing that also I think is super unique about you guys is obviously you're building products in the space, essentially, right? Like consumer products for, for crypto. And you mentioned earlier that like we need to find ways to lower the barrier for meaningful contribution, lower the barrier to entry. What does that look like from the point of view of like design thinking for building products? How do you guys kind of think about that at Agora? Um so first we we don't want to force the users to leave their desired place like discord or telegram so we want to bring everything inside that chat room i think one thing we meant we forgot to mention in a DAO stack is that you will definitely need like a communication channel as well it's not it, it shouldn't be token gated in in every case but it, it's good if, if it's token gated but uh uh yeah so you need a communication channel and uh I think it's still heavily underutilized what you can do with it with just the channel, especially in Discord, for example, where there are emoji reactions that you can use eventually to uh, votings and and all sorts of different stuff. So, our our most I think the most important thing is to leave everyone where they are already and don't force them to go to a website or something like this. Mm -hmm. And uh, can I just add? To yeah. That? Yeah. use less of a hardware wallet situation because for example what i don't like about using snapshot all the time i don't really because i'm lazy and the point is i have to go to a different website i have to use my hardware wallet to do anything and that's like at least two points where i get like lost and lose interest and i think to, one point is bringing everything to where people are and people are active and have the conversations which is most of it is, of course, off-chain, and it should be that way. And also to, like, kind of find ways to use less hardware wallet action to, like, mm -hmm. minimize that to maximum. Got it. Got it. 
It's so I minimize that to a maximum. Yeah. <laughs> minimize the use of hardware as important as that is. It really like it really risks like user experience is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Um, I I also think part of that is you're required to like hold these assets on a hot wallet to an extent to kind of have like seamless flow of, of, of an experience. And that within itself is highly risky, right? Just having so many tokens, so much money in a hot wallet. So I agree with you. You know, I, I think we're so early with where we're at. I think it's very fair. I even say, I think we're at a two, like maybe like a 1.5 <laughs> to be honest. Like, but yeah. I, I think the point is like, we're very early on, on the spectrum. What do you think is missing to kind of get us to that next level to get to the five? Like, what steps, what, what, what progress, what tools, what interactions, you know what I mean, are missing to kind of reach that next level of adoption? I think what's missing really is, is not uh, the, some specific tool itself, but more like the way these already existing tools could cooperate and share data between each other. And that's obviously not possible if one of these tools are not open source or cannot be self-hosted or uh, yeah, so I think the, the missing part right now is to have an integration layer between all of these different tools or have a suite of tools that are cooperate and, and share data already. We're yeah. trying to do both. <laughs> how, do you, how do you kind of tackle both at the same time? Well, we try to create tools that are interoperable between each other and also make them open source and have APIs for them so that we can have the maximum amount of integrations with other tools and projects and platforms in the space and on the internet, basically. And I think that may be like a good approach, obviously I'm biased, but I think that's a good approach of maximizing collaboration between DAOs, between communities and tools at the same time, because that can kind of like um, quicken this whole thing of, we have less tools or we have too few or we, this problem is not solved. Mm -hmm. If as like Robert said, if they can communicate on like the back end and make the user flow way more seamless and maybe find a way to like connect it back to the channels and they're using the same tools, but it's like somehow connected back in a way or like, yeah, brought yeah. to the user, it could be easier. This could also create the lazy scenarios when, when a user don't necessarily have to do something immediately but it, they, they can do that later. And I think that's very important for the next step. Yeah. Rekha, I think something that, like just like trying to dig through your words is that better funnel of bringing a user in from one destination to another. And one thing that we were talking about behind the scenes, I think it was even yesterday, was, you know, a lot of these, like, let's say creators, okay, that want to build their own creator DAOs, that want to explore a modern day fan club, all their audience lives on social media, Right. And they only really have two call to actions. They have that swipe up on Instagram or a link in bio, right? Or if they post a link in a tweet, still everything is like taking them from one platform and, and leaving that platform to, to go to another platform. And that entire funnel from just like entering a community to kind of like making your initial contribution, just that entire funnel is really broken. It's very multi-step, you know? And, and if you look at like Web2 solutions, you think of their funnel, like if you're doing like a Let's say you're doing a drop shipping campaign, okay? You're selling, I don't know, Christmas lights for the holiday. You open up a Shopify page. You run Facebook ads. Every single interaction, if your page doesn't load fast enough, you lose user drop-off, like 50%. I don't know what the metric is, but it's really high, right? If one button doesn't work, people leave, right? And I think a lot of products are failing to kind of take into consideration what you said. 
like optimizing for that user journey because it's one thing making it super easy for a community to start a community. It's another thing making it even easier for their audience to join that community, right? And I think is that is that kind of like what you're referring to? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. if we always talk about like the onboarding of the next few millions in like the next year, and that's kind of something that like tool creators talk about or like founders talk about. A yeah. Lot. And that is a crucial step in that because uh, people are they don't want to leave their usual platforms to try a new one it's weird it looks different i have to use my wallet it's the whole thing is you have to like try to do that and you can't just do it you're you're in the bathroom you have five minutes to do it like people won't do it if they like have to sit down read everything think everything through it takes a lot of time so we have to make it as smooth as possible for creators and everybody to basically like funnel their user base back into some Web3 thing so they can start utilizing all the goodies that are available in Web3. Yeah. You know, the first thing that comes to mind when you when you mention that is one, the point of basically building products for two different audiences. Right now, you, I, us, right? We don't care eating shit to kind of enjoy the pleasure of being early adopters. Like we'll go through those additional steps because we have a lot of curiosity. We understand what's like the opportunity at here, right? A lot of other people, and this this also comes in like intact when Discord teases us with their MetaMask integration and then kind of being like, hey guys, we're actually not doing it because all of our Web2 users that kind of run Discord and our core audiences and, pl- and, and like users for a subscription model, they gave us shit for it. And we don't want to risk losing them because we have a SaaS model, you know? But then there's like this like small like Web3 audience that's kind of like using Discord as a way to just kind of bootstrap because it's the only thing available. And I think part of what you're saying, if what I'm understanding is like, it's also building for that right audience. That Web 2 audience has different needs, preferences, and wants compared to that Web 3 audience, you know? And I think part of making a better funnel is kind of capturing both sides of that marketing without even realizing that they're joining a DAO to begin with. They're just joining a community, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Guys, I know we're running out of time really quick. Uh, before I let you guys go, uh, I guess I have one final question for you. What's next for Agora? What can we expect? Because I know right now you have guild.xyz. What, what's what's coming up next? You want to do it? <laughs> so, so we have two MVPs ready. Uh, we're not going to put them out in the open yet. Guild comes out of Alpha State now in December, which is fun. Cool. And the next tools are focusing on onboarding in a gamified um, way so that users don't really realize that they're doing it, but they get rewarded for every step and it's much more smoother and for fundraising. Cool. Amazing. 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 Best of luck. Before I let you go, where can we find both of you and Agora in general? Twitter. Like we're doing the full Web3 thing. So you can find us on Twitter at, at Raz at Rico ETH at Agora Space Dow at Guild XYZ. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we'll for sure do this again at some point once we're like at stage five, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, but this was fun. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you so much. It was a blast.